Mindset Athlete Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian and owner of James Robert Fitness, which is an online training, nutrition, and mindset coaching business. First of all, I'd like to thank Lauren Williams for suggesting this quote to the show. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute. Not because of some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. By Chris Hart. And each week on the Mindset Athlete, we like to bring you inspirational athletes, a message, or experts talking about human optimization to teach you how to change your perception of your mindset and become 1% better. And on today's show, I've got Brian Falchuk. He is a best-selling author, speaker, and life coach. He has faced many adversities and learned how to overcome and achieve. From obesity to running marathons, from a career struggles to success as a C-level executive, from watching illness threaten his family to finding lasting health. He has been through many lessons used to develop his unique approach to inspiring others to succeed. So welcome on to the show, Brian. Thanks for having me on, James. So beyond the initial introduction that I have given you, given you there, yeah. is there any little bit of a nugget you'd like to share with my audience? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in that, that transformation, the obesity to the marathon, which was, I, I always say, like, it wasn't just this impossibility or this really hard thing. It was so impossible, I wouldn't even have put it on the list to scoff at and be like, no, I'll never do that. I mean, it's just like, okay, that's ridiculous. I'm this fat guy. Um, I hate running, my knees hurt, I'm too big, I'm not good at it, like what's the point? And lo and behold, you know, it was it was such an obvious thing I had to do and wanted to do, just part of that transformation, which is pretty cool. And um it was all triggered for me, like my my backstory is one of anxiety, which is what led to my obesity. You know, a lot of us find ourselves seeking uh wholeness in something else and something temporary. And so I kept turning to food and it just Food's actually not a treatment for anxiety, um, maybe in the moment, but not really. And uh, and it actually only made me have more issues with myself, you know, more self-loathing, self-discomfort, you know, all that and, and the negative talk. And it spiraled out of control at the same time my wife became very seriously ill to the point that um, she wasn't expected to make it through the summer. This is in 2011. And uh, we have a two-year-old at the time. And so it was this culmination, this doctor's call when he was sort of like, yeah, there's nothing left where, you know, there's really nothing to do. And then he was like, I'm going on vacation. Talk to you later. Which is a little bit strange to go there on the call. So we were really left empty handed. uh, And all of a sudden it's hitting me is, you know, I'm most likely about to be a widower, single father to a young child. um, And I'm miserable and I'm not living the way I want to live. And I, I'm probably, not probably, I'm definitely miserable to live with. And so all that, you know, that's not helping my wife. It's certainly not setting my son up for success. And this part took me a while, but it it's not setting me up for success. I just wasn't ready to face my own self-worth yet. Um, I don't think I valued myself enough to be willing to put myself on a pedestal. And I don't mean that egotistically, but I, I do think, you know, whether you're standing on the top of the podium officially or in your mind, seeing yourself as worthy, as successful as, as a finisher is, um, it's really powerful. And so I just made a shift. Like I came alive in that moment and I took a few key things in my life that were out of control and brought them back into control. So I, or not back just into control. So I, I started talking to someone about the anxiety. I 
took some steps around some career issues that were going on. My, the company I was working at, um, just becoming very political and I, I just don't, I don't care for that. Um, but most importantly, I knew better physically and diet wise, and I wasn't doing, and that's what I changed. That was most dramatic. So I went from, at that time I was 222 pounds. Um, I came down to 185 from July 1st to October 19th. So it was my 33rd birthday. And that was my goal weight. And I was like, well, I got here way faster than I thought. I was expecting to do it by the end of the year. And I felt amazing. Like every workout, I was exhausted, but I was so charged up. Like I felt this purpose. And I, for the first time ever, I loved the workouts. Like I had been 100 pounds overweight and I lost the weight, but I did it through uh, almost bulimia. Like I was purging through exercise instead of, you know, sticking my finger down my throat. And that did not lead to a healthy relationship with exercise or with sport. And of course, my whole childhood, my relationship to exercise and sport was incredibly negative because I was so far, you know, behind everyone else and I was panting and wheezing and I couldn't do it. Like I, I, it was terrible. It was embarrassing, you know, and shirts versus skins as a kid. And the fat kid has the biggest boobs in school, you know, like it's just not, it's not a good scene. So my whole feeling around exercise was incredibly negative and now it wasn't it was empowering. And so it was like every day I couldn't get enough. And so the more I did, the more I did, I picked up a bike, I started cycling, I started running, which is not something I ever foresaw. Um, and I really just came alive. And so I started getting into events and did century rides. I've done you know a bunch of different running, um, running events and culminating in the marathon eventually. And I should say my wife is still alive. That's something I, I sometimes I just keep moving with the story, but she is, she is still here. Um, our son's not two anymore. That's changed. But um, yeah, it's just life is completely different. And I started to, people noticed and started to reach out for help. And so I started to coach people. I got certified as a personal trainer and it's just continued on. Um, so yeah, that's that's the uh, somewhat nutshell-ish version of of me, me and sport, which are two really good friends now, you know, versus uh, frenemies maybe, or maybe I was just using it before just to try to not be fat again, which is a, it's not the best motivation. Like, hi, I'm Brian. I'm trying not to be fat. How are you? Like, that's yeah, not but, a, but wouldn't you agree that's most people's, uh, it perception is towards that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, it is or initially. Yeah. And I mean, then that's my point. Um, I was listening to an episode of, uh, another podcast and this guy, Rich Roll, and he's talking about running and he was saying, you know, it's not like you go for one run and then you're hooked and it's done and you're great at it. It's like it builds over time and you don't really see progress. You know, you may not be able to run more than a minute at a time when you're starting out. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that, that makes it tough. So I think that's part of why we all feel the way we do. And certainly in, in the U.S., obesity, I mean, I know this is a big focus for you. Obesity is a serious problem. And uh it's almost like it's fashionable to make fun of eating right and exercising. It's fashionable to have a distaste for it. Um, you know, people go to the gym and they kind of like put on an iPad with a, a show or they'll, they'll watch a TV show and just sort of mindlessly work out, which is what I was doing for years. Like I was working out that whole time. It was just pointless. But you go in with purpose and you start to develop a different relationship to it and you give it a chance and you find that actually it is empowering. You have to find what you enjoy. You know, people are like, oh, I hate doing that. Okay, well, why are you doing that? Let's find a different, there's a million different exercises you can do. You can take dancing classes. Guess what? That is exercise. Like there's so many different, I mean, look at your career, like how many different sports? I know we try to name them 
when I had you on my show, but it's a lot. You did so many different five, kinds of sports. Five or six? Five or six at a professional level in the Paralympics. It was only three at Paralympic level, but still that's to be able to chop and change like that. You see it more in Paralympic sport, but Olympic sport, yeah. people would probably hold totally you in focused. because it's like, well, it's one achievement to do that in one, let alone yeah. another. Whereas Paralympic yeah. sports, we'll probably take it for granted. It's like, yeah. oh, you're multi-talented. Good yeah. on you. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, to the point, you play around, you do different things that you enjoy. And that's just it as if, you know, I had someone I was working with who was like, well, I know I have to do, there's two things she, she had uh, kind of drilled into her head. You have to run and you have to do at least an hour of cardio. And I was like, you know, if you're, there's no rule that says you have to run. There's tons of other things you can do. Not everyone should run. I think many can, but not everyone can or not everyone should. And if you don't enjoy it, that's a great reason not to do it. Let's find something else. And I don't know where this hour came from, but your body's clock is not that exact. If you do, I always say this, like if you do 59 minutes of cardio and then you quit, do you think your body's like, oh, no weight loss for us? Like we're, no, no muscle building. We're good. Like stop everything. As soon as you hit 60 minutes, your body just like kicks into this amazing shape. It doesn't work like that. So we have to let go of some of these preconceived notions that I think are taking away from our enjoyment in it. Yeah, but a lot of that's based on mess, bias, yeah. um, preconceived ideas, placing the wrong perspective. It's, it's You've put authority towards the wrong person and yeah. you believe what they've said. Okay, it's probably more and more difficult and more maybe discerning to be able to do that because it's a gray area. Somebody says they're an influencer be it based on their popularity. I will call it on, on social media. They will yeah. say something that's their opinion. You'll take that as factual. And some, I think we discussed yeah. that a little bit on your show in terms of from a different yeah. perspective, but that's where some of the people's intuitions, beliefs, and ultimately their ideology yeah. will be based on. It's based on somebody's opinion I'm probably putting this person on pedestal because they're popular yeah. yeah. as opposed to maybe going a bit old school, learning yourself, going out yeah. and finding that information and, and putting option A versus option B. Yeah. If you don't agree with either of them, you come up with option C, but I think yeah. people are less inclined to want to do that. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And I think it, it goes back to my earlier point about how much we value ourselves. Like if you see yourself in a negative light, if you see yourself as incapable, well, then you are because in your mind, you're holding yourself back. So of course you're going to look to others for guidance. And it's not to say others are bad or wrong, but ultimately those ideas still come back to your brain. And if you're not processing it from your perspective and what's right for your body and your life, then if nothing else is not going to be sustainable because you're living someone else's version of what you should be doing. If you don't bring that into yourself and value yourself enough to make those decisions for yourself, you're going to quit. And that's why you see so many people who like, you know, all-star athletes through high school and university, and then you go to the reunion with them and they're 40. And it's like, wow, that's a huge gut. Where did that come from? You know, these are people who were like at the pinnacle of fitness and they lose it because that wasn't really who they are or they weren't in touch with it in a way that was going to sustain through their life. And so I'm, I'm in my forties and there's a lot of us who have sort of come alive and like, there's a lot of triathletes who are in their forties because there's like this shift we go through where, you know, some people keep it the whole way, but there's a lot who sort of like get, get back in touch 
not just with sport, but actually with themselves that triggers the connection to sport. And it's fantastic. I, I was at a triathlon um, in September and the number of competitors whose number, you know, they make you write your age on your mm-hmm. calf. The number of folks who have a four to start is tremendous. And the people on the podium or close to being on the podium, a lot of them had fours in their age. And it's really interesting to see. And a lot of them were couples. So you see couples going at it together and reinforcing each other and supporting each other. It's a fantastic feeling. The amount of self-worth in that tent for the, uh, the award ceremony afterward, it, it's really infectious. Um, and that's, that's something we actually can all get to, but it doesn't just happen. You do have to do work. You do have to be willing to see yourself in a different way. And sometimes that's scary. A lot of us are carrying things around with us that are keeping us from feeling that way. Maybe experiences we've had through life. And um, it's, it's definitely hard. I'm not diminishing that at all. And it's worth facing them because the payback's huge. It's, it's your life, you know? But Brian, obviously we, we talk about longevity, consistency, and all the words of work ethic that go with it. Why do people, in your opinion, and obviously yeah. at the end of the day, it's your opinion. Yeah. Why are they looking for that magic pill or the quick fix? Yeah. And we definitely, we, we got into this when you were on my show. This, this, uh, this is the norm in so many aspects of life. I mean, in business too, is like, you see people like, how can I just make a million dollars? As soon as that word just comes up, we have to be a little bit aware that the next words are probably not the right answer. Um, you know, just do this, just do that. We, we want things to be easy and we want them to be done. And societally, that is absolutely the message that's reinforced. Social media, marketing, all of it is about here, this is easy. I mean, the, the paradigm in marketing has shifted from talking about the benefits of things and the values of things to how hard life is without it. And so we've gotten in this mindset of, I mean, there's ridiculous ads, kind of like infomercials on TV of people struggling with, I don't know, like getting their keys into the car and their hands are shaking and they're like scratching the car up and they drop the keys. And I'm like, who? Yeah, that might happen once in a while, but that's not the norm for how people like get their keys out to get into their house. So they're like, that's, they just make it look like life is so difficult and ridiculous. But this one product, wow. Now look at how easy everything is. That's the norm in marketing these days. It's about there's something really negative that you don't want anymore and this is the solution. And it's the same in politics. It's not, these are, these are the things I stand for. This is what I'm going to do to raise the country up or the, you know, the municipality or whatever it is you're, the, pol- the politician's running in. It's my opponent is terrible. They're corrupt. They're backwards. They're ruining everything. I'm the fix. Vote for me. Well, how are you the fix? Why are you any good? No, you're just saying that's terrible and there's a fix. It's this fix mentality is pervasive. And so we look for these quick things in a very reductionist way. So like, you know, your focus on diet, kale was like the magic pill. It was like, well, you just need to eat more kale and everything will be great. It's like just eating kale does not make you fit and healthy. And if you only eat kale, you will actually be unhealthy because you'll be missing all kinds of other things you need. So, okay, then it's kale, but then you also take this vitamin. If you just take this one vitamin, everything, no. Again, it's reductionist, but that's that's what we're programmed to hear. So if you come back to the self, you can start to break through that. Ask yourself, like, is that really going to do me any good? What's going to happen 10 years from now? Is that still going to be serving me? Will I have understood any of the things I need to get myself there? 
These are tougher questions that most of us don't want to spend the time thinking about. We just want the answer. We want to move on. And there's moments where that's fine. You know, you just kind of want to disconnect your brain and veg out. But to run your life that way is a different story. Like I'm all for those those moments of separation. But on the whole, that should not be the way you've programmed your life. You're going to wake up and be like, what the hell happened to me? Nobody wants that. That's, that's the whole premise of a midlife crisis is you have this wake up moment. And you're like, how did I get here? Well, it's generally speaking, I want to say I'm, I mine is probably not midlife crisis because my moment, I'll call it in the spotlight of when it happened. It was in my 30s, but yeah. I think it was probably my body saying to me, well, you're going so far from what we know. Yeah. You're not listening to the warning signs. We've got to kind of push you over the cliff now for you to, or, or close to it. Yeah. And then the, you wake up, well, like you were saying, Brian, in terms of, oh, how did I get here? I, I don't like where I'm going. Yeah. I want to yeah. go back. I want to go back where it's a little bit safe, safer. And obviously that is a difficult place to be in, in terms of, I know like, like you were saying, people don't want to look to the eventuality or the future. I go a step further occasionally and say, well, on your deathbed, do you want to re- live being in a state of regret? Yeah. Or do you want to be content? That's yeah. obviously an extreme. Yeah. But when people have envisioned that, it's like, well, you, you, you would probably take uh, the sense of, oh, I've had a good life. Yeah. I've, this is now the end. Um, yeah. As opposed to uh, today is, well, as we're talking Friday, uh, the 15th of November, 2019, talk about 40 years in the future. What if I'd have done something different on that day? Yeah. That's regret. It's, yeah. it's, you don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to contemplate it. You don't want to go there. Uh, and you don't want to feel that either disgust, distaste, uh, anger towards yeah. yourself because it's too late. You can't do anything about it. So yeah, that's right. Obviously that's pushing a button from uh, a coaching perspective to say, well, this is me wa- giving you a wake up call in terms of this is the reason why to change. Do you yeah. want to, do you want to feel one way or the other? Yeah. Is your opportunity. I'm not saying for you to, to do it. I'm not giving you recommendation or guidance. I'm pushing it back to you in terms of what do you think in terms yeah. of, is this okay or is it not? And then obviously from me as the coach, I can say, well, you either, you either are ready to change or you're not. And I can, yeah. I, I can step away and things like that. And, and I put it, I put it back on the onus on you as the individual. Yeah. It's commendable to to obviously reach out to a coach in the first place because it takes a bigger man or woman to 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 be aware that their their circumstances are no longer acceptable. Yeah, they want to do something about it, but that's the ultimatum. You've got to go that step further. You yeah. you've got to come up with the the solutions to why is this no longer acceptable as opposed to like you were saying the the fixes i'm telling you what to do yeah i'm spoon feeding you i'm not i'm i'm not helping you i'm not yeah. we're not we're not actually resolving the problem we're probably masking and putting a band-aid over it and that's it yeah that's right i mean i i think that gets to the difference between a good coach and a less good coach is in this context a 
the coaches you hear about being, you know, the, the coaches who go down in history for how amazing they are and the players who, you know, are almost in tears talking about what they did for them and the relationships they've had, whether it's, you know, a, a coach in sport or a coach in life, a coach in your weight management, whatever it may be, the ones who just tell you what to do, that's, that's not right. That is the quick fix approach. It may work. It may work certainly in the short run. So if that's really what you want, you know, that if that's where you're at, okay, but understand it's going to work when they're working you and then it won't. The ones who are really effective and and what we're trained to do as, you know, life coaches and, and that sort of thing is you're not giving them the answer. You're giving them the structure to arrive at the answer themselves. So one of the things I've always said is, you know, people are like, oh, it must be so great changing people's lives. I don't change anybody's life. I give them the tools to change their own life because I can't do that. I'm responsible for changing my own life, but I'm never going to change someone else's. If my words inspire something in you to look within you and find that path, and I can give you some tools to help you go down it, fantastic. But it's still you. And the reason is that whether it's on your deathbed or tomorrow, we shouldn't have to regret things, period. And of course, there are things we don't want to do. There's some things that we may find ourselves in the midst of saying, oh, hang on, this is not what I meant. I'm not happy about this. Well, you can course correct and you can change. Mm -hmm. You may have some level of regret for that. I say don't hold regret. Learn from what you did and why you did it so you can do differently. And then it's not about regret. It's about growth. So that on balance, if you were to weigh the things that you had to do that you didn't really enjoy and the things that you did enjoy, the did enjoy column should be much bigger. And so you can look back on your life at whatever point you do that and say, yeah, were there things I wish didn't happen? Of course. But on the whole, I'm really happy with how things worked out. And that's ultimately, that's all we can ask for. And even the things you don't want to do, then why are you doing them? Because either it's not a good use of your time and we need to make different priority priority calls sometimes. And some of them, maybe it's facilitating what you do want to do. So like nobody likes paying their taxes or their mortgage or, you know, the bills, that sort of thing. Well, do you like having a house? Do you like having heat in winter? Do you like having the clothes on your body so that you're not, you know, on the streets naked and starving? Oh, okay. When you put it like that, yeah. I mean, that sounds a bit ridiculous, but that's why you're paying those bills, you know. Or do you like that? You know, for me, that my son has those things and feels safe and secure and is well fed and healthy. Yes. So of course, I will pay those bills. Doesn't mean I enjoy the outflow of cash, but I certainly enjoy what it's doing for me. So then I don't have to look at it in the same light. And it's the same thing. You know, the whole relationship with exercise. If you hate it because you don't enjoy it then look at why you're doing it. And either you're doing the wrong thing. And we talked about, you know, maybe there's some other thing that's more play and more enjoyable, or you're not focusing in on why you're doing it in the first place, which is not to sit on a machine for an hour and be miserable. It's because you want a better life because you want to feel better again, because you want to come off all those pills because you want to be there for your family, because whatever the reason is, and I, I do a lot of work with people on motivation, but it's not about being miserable on a machine for an hour right now. There are other reasons why you're there. Latch onto those and suddenly that machine time or whatever you're doing becomes empowering, not demotivating. So it's all about this relationship we have with what's going on in our life. And to me, people ask me on, I've done a, a lot of podcasts in my book. My first one's called Do A Day. So it's a lot of like, oh, what regrets do you have from the past? And I said, I don't. Because if I did, I would be, doing such a disservice to the life that I have right now. So why would I want to do that? Because I'm alive. 
So if I value that, and I do, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here. How can I sit here and talk down, oh, this was terrible. I never should have done that. You you hear people in divorce, this uh, pretty common question is like, I never should have married your father. I never should have married your mother. It's like, you're saying that to the child who exists because you did. Just pause for a second. You know, people ask me, like, I didn't get into my first choice of, of college or graduate school or whatever. It's like, oh, do you wish you'd gone to the other one? Well, going to this one meant I did this thing afterward, which meant I did this thing, which means I met my wife, which means my son exists, which means. So when you start to think like that, why are you going to start moving the dominoes around? You can't live in utopia. Things will happen. So try to value why they happen. And if you appreciate where you're at right now, fantastic. Then appreciate where you've come from. And if you don't, what are you going to do differently? So you end up appreciating where you're at. These are all choices. Not easy, but they are choices. Well, you raise, you raise a good one in terms of, and I think this goes nicely with what you said there, Brian, in terms of listening to my interview I did with uh, Brian, um, with Drew Taddea a yeah. few years ago and relate, uh, versus what we did, a, oh, I think it was like a couple of days ago. When we yeah, yeah. Was recording Tuesday, there. yeah. It's night and day, the... the, the, the um, the story is somewhat similar, yeah. but you picked up on upon uh, the the anger in my voice. It's like vers- resentment versus growth in terms of what yeah. you're talking about. So yeah. obviously, I've come to probably gone full circle. Yeah, accepted what all the I'll call, I'll call them choices that you said, be it yeah. good or bad yeah. in the past, and I have to move on. That's it's that, like it's a bit of a domino effect. The choices you make. Yeah, you have to come to accept them uh, and go with the flow, as yeah. I like to term it, uh, and and not look back because you can't change it. The yeah. past is the past. The future, the future, you can have some what impression on it. Yeah, but it's you can't look back because, for good or bad. Yeah, those are the choices you made. You you chose to go left as opposed to right. Yeah, yes, you'd have a different uh real alternate reality yeah but we don't know if those actually exist but that's right. a, that's a different uh topic altogether yeah 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 you know the the word um after we record i was reflecting on that that piece for our conversation i think what comes across today versus that interview and obviously that's like a snippet of who you were at that time so um, i'm extrapolating but there's a comfort in who you are that I could sense like something wasn't aligned yet. Like you were at this point of not feeling quite as comfortable as now you do seem you're in it. You're comfortable with it. There's an energy to you as well, but there's this comfort. It's not, you know, it's not a, like a hyperactive energy. It's like, uh, yeah, just, I think feeling comfortable. Well, I think I've come like, like you were saying, it's you, you are accepting of your true self. I've, I'm not trying to be something that I am not. I'm not trying to appease other people, which I think I probably was at that, that time yeah. or, the, or another, because it was, you're trying to find your place within social media and you're trying to, well, I must be something else that I'm not to, to get people to quote unquote, like me, uh, which I could, I don't, I don't say I don't care, but I'll be me. I'll be as, mm-hmm. tr- as truthful as to me as I can physically as possible to be it my friends and family who who will t- take the piss out of me if I do something <laughs> stupid um and I don't take that I don't take that se- seriously it's yeah I'll take the knock on the chin 
yeah. move on. Obviously, social media is a beast in itself. It's difficult to, well, I don't know you, but you're giving me harsh criticism and I don't like it. But I think yeah. I've got off that high horse and said, even if it is criticism, if it's posed in the right way, yeah. it's like, well, it's something to improve upon. And I think just telling that story, yeah, it's easy because even things, as we talked about off air, after before and after we talked there's stuff i've got close to my chest that even friends and family don't know about so me to me to be able to share that it's for, it's for me it's first-hand knowledge i i've lived it yeah nobody else knows about it so yeah. it's, it's it's quite empowering to because i put out a couple of days ago in terms of dealing my, with my own weight issues people were shocked to see, it's like oh you you were you were somewhat overweight yeah, yeah, because I I didn't talk about it because I was oh I'm not saying embarrassed I was disgusted because I wanted it's like I think I was about eighty kilos about one hundred and sixty hundred seventy pounds yeah for me I'd never been in that that realms of of, of being that heavy yeah it's unacceptable it's, yeah, I need yeah. to be here what am I going to do about it and I went too far the other way and I yeah. lost too much weight yeah. and that that probably had a massive impact on my mental health so now it's like well, you want to be this certain weight. Yeah. I don't want to be overweight. I want to be yeah. in this nice, nice middle ground from like quote unquote comfort. But I will say to people, well, yes, you want to get down here. Yeah. However, if you go too far to the extreme, it's going to have impact on your mental health. So you need to have some sort of allowances, flexibility, adaptability to your overall um, journey and process. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, do you want to be miserable being fat? Yeah. Or do you want to be miserable and being skinny? So they're exactly the same from a mental perspective. Yeah. Obviously, people will say, well, how did you get there? And they'll be envious of, of being skinny, but they, they'll loathe you as being heavy. But you, how you feel in your own self is exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really well said. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You talked about the, the skinny side. I started losing weight um, almost uncontrollably at one point. Like I, I was, I think it's part of it's the way I had built my exercise routine. I was doing a lot of like 10 to 20 minute, fairly intense cardio sessions throughout the day. In addition to like weights and body weight activity in the morning. So my metabolism was really, really amped up and I was eating in a way that fueled that further. And so I just, I just kept dropping weight and I got into the one sixties, which for me is too low. I got down into the low one sixties, which is way too low. And people, I I was very open about my weight. I posted it every day. And one of my old college roommates commented, he's like, yeah, you can do it, man. Keep going. And I was like, no, like I'm, this is now threatening my wellness. Like I, I mean, and I can't stop, like I was going and buying ice cream, which I would never eat. I'm like, I got to do something. So I'm like, how can I just get calories? And I had the ice cream and my weight dropped the next day. I'm like, what's like, what am I going to do? I tried like donuts. I mean, it was amazing and horrible at the same time, but I couldn't stop. So I I had to change the workout situation because I realized like, okay, I'm just amping up my metabolism way too much. Um, but it's so funny to me. Oh, on social media, people just equate like, oh, lower numbers. That's great. You see people who are battling with anorexia and people are like, oh, you look great. It's like, no, they're 
really struggling and they're underweight and this is unhealthy. You know, their hair's falling out and you're telling them they look great because they're really skinny. It, it is, you know, back to the social media point and the opinion of others and the guidance of others. If I succumb to that pressure, then I would have been like, oh, maybe, maybe it is good. Maybe I should keep doing this. Maybe I should add another 15 minute sprinting session to the mix or something. Uh, well, I think, it's I, I funny. think you raise a good point there, Brian, in terms of, you know, that you, you're trying to live up to somebody other, somebody else's expectations of yourself yeah. Yeah. and you trying to bring that number down more and more. Are you doing it for the gratification that it gives, you know, the bit like the dopamine effect yeah. uh, of get, getting those, like obviously social media companies are starting to do something about that. Uh, obviously from a business perspective that's a different story altogether but that's the one we can probably talk about together but from a sense of people getting obviously a virtual pat on their back or keep going you're doing well that's going to obviously give them a, a, a boost as to well what i'm doing is justified if i keep going keep losing yeah. people are going to be in my corner yeah uh, and obviously from a coach perspective you can look at different numbers, different analytics. Like, well, this number on the scales is not the be all and end all. And it's yeah. trying to get people to, to, to envision. Yes. Okay. If that number's kind of stagnated and isn't dropping any, any further, that's not a big deal. But what coming back on what I was saying, that's quite a vicious circle because people yes. are going to have a reason to keep redlining it. I'm yeah. pushing the extremes yeah. because they kind of get in uh, an, an ego boost. It's like, well, yeah. well done. Yeah. But you're not looking at the warning signs that your body's probably going to give you. Yeah. And, you know, to be fair to him, I don't, I don't want to call him out, but, um, for, you know, I had been open about my weight through the whole process from the 222 down into the 180s and then 170s and, um, and he wasn't reading the post. He just saw the number and was like, hey, go Brian. And through that whole process, people were really supportive. And I used that to my advantage. That's that's the main reason I put it out there. Because through my life, my weight had been a shaming and make fun of me kind of thing. It wasn't a positive. And so here I am taking control of it. I had this, you know, I wasn't a big social media user before. I became bigger in it because the network I had was people I know and liked. So I didn't have to worry about the random person snickering at me because this is this is my friends and family, so they will support me and I need it to do what I'm trying to do. So I did get a lot of outpouring of support through the process and I became hooked on that to an extent. Like it's not that I needed it, but I certainly appreciated it. And so that's why I kept posting even after I was, you know, months and months within my goal weight, you know, and, and clearly health was not going to be an issue for me anymore. My weight certainly wasn't. Why did I keep posting? What was I looking for? And so his post did two things for me. One is in in thinking about how to respond to him, it had me reflecting more about what do I do about this? And, you know, at that point I had become a certified personal trainer. So I had more of an understanding of the calories and, and the, the way things were burning and my metabolism management and that. So um, it was a good wake up to just sort of structure things differently. But it also, that was the last time I posted my weight on a daily basis. Actually, I don't know that I ever posted my weight again, except like when I would write reflective posts about, you know, here I am, it's three years later or five years later, or I just came off the marathon. This is, you know, the 
the total place my life is at, my weight is this. And, um, but that's when it struck me as like, what am I looking for? Cause I'm, I don't need the support of like, you can do it, Brian, keep going. Cause actually I'm supporting myself. I don't need anyone else's cheers. It's very nice. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I appreciate people being nice and kind and positive or thinking they are. Um, but it was a good wake up call for me is like, hang on, what are you actually using this for anymore? Is it serving you? Are you behaving in a way that aligns to your values or not? And so that was the last time I posted it. And I did explain to him, I was like, no, actually, um, this is a problem. I should be like 10 to 15 pounds heavier. Something's not right. So I, I need to go in the other direction. And I think he, he wrote back like a laughing, smiling face and like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what, what to make of that, but I just, you know, I just walked away from it. Yeah. But I think that's where obviously knowledge, um, and being aligned to certain people does help because they can read between the lines in terms of he's just picked out the number. I think yeah. you as I, as coaches will scan the entirety of the content as to what's the reason behind going down that route and obviously um, come up with a response accordingly. So I think I, I do it on social media, but I will read it in terms of, well, I've done this because of blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And this is where I'm at. currently. So I'll say keep going because you're probably not at your end goal. Yeah. So it gives you, re- not reassurance, but it gives you, a bit, uh, yeah. A certain aspect from from a, a professional to say, well, you're going in the right direction. Yeah, be, you might be working with another trainer, uh, or you might be doing it yourself, but you're going in the right direction for what's going to be a health and, and health and well being standpoint, and not just for the sake of dropping a number. Yeah, yeah, I know that's absolutely right. Um, even you know, for me, even when I go to my annual physical. Um, the physician's not really offering me anything around my weight, my diet, anything like that. You know, they give me general comments and then they find out they're like, you know, make sure you're not drinking too much and don't smoke and watch your red meat intake. It's like, well, I haven't had a drop of alcohol in six and a half years. Not that I was a big drinker before, but I, I just don't drink. I've never smoked in my life and I'm a vegan. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay on the red meat part. That's not a problem. And so it's just like, you know, their standard responses. It's all well-intentioned. Um, but, you know, I, again, it's, I take ownership of my well-being. Um, and then, it, so I have a good relationship with my primary care doctor, my GP at this point, where um, we sort of collaborate on what blood tests to run because there are a lot more things I want to be aware of. So I know, you know, do I need to adjust my diet as I get older? you know, our hormones change, lots of things change, my stress situations change, whatever. I want to be more informed than the average bear. And so I want to see, you know, what's going on with that. And he's been really good about that. He doesn't have a lot to add, but he's at least a partner to me owning my situation. And my wife's a functional medicine health coach, just on the back of her chronic illness journey. She really saved her own life and what she learned through that. She ended up getting certified. And so she, she helps other people battling chronic illness today. So, um, you know, she gives me a lot of guidance as well about like, you need to get this test. Let's look at the results and I bring them home. And, um, but yeah, it's, I have someone who I can turn to, to help me with it in the doctor, 
but then I have myself who I ultimately have to turn to and I find empowerment and support in the right places. But I, I own my wellness. You know, people say the term like be the CEO of your own health. And I, I think that's really important. We can't just rest that in someone else and just expect them to cure us or give us that pill that, you know, maybe makes us feel better, but it may not be doing anything for our lifestyle, our wellness, whatever. And, you know, you find yourself down the road with these wake up moments we talk about. Are you living the way you really wish you want to and, and could? That's a personal but, thing. But then, Brian, do you think you and I, to a certain extent, are unconventional when it comes to that mold? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think unconventional, it's funny. If you really go back, I think that was convention. I mean, like way, way back. You know, so it's like we talk about organic versus conventional produce. And actually, organic was conventional. Everything was organic back in the day. But now what we call like conventional is actually the scientifically modified changed process and organic is, is the different thing, even though that's the term conventional means like the original way of doing it. Um, so I think this is how it used to be maybe thousands of years ago, maybe not anytime recently, but I do. And it could be because I live in a, a bit of a, a bubble in this space, but I do feel like there is a movement more and more towards this, like obesity awareness. The problem is still hugely out of control or diabetes, you know, the diabetes, obesity confluence that you see, but there is more conversation about it. There are actions being taken. I don't know if we've moved the needle enough yet that the momentum's in the right direction, but there was no momentum not long ago. And, you know, the plant-based movement is growing dramatically. There's, there's a number of things happening that while it's still probably not the convention, it is becoming more and more normal or more and more, there are more options. Um, so I, I think that there's a shift going on, but it's conversations like this and the work that, you know, that you're doing that I'm doing. I think these are part of that equation and moving back to maybe the way things were a thousand years ago. I keep like going back to Greece, like, you know, people, if you're going to wear a toga, you have to look good in that. Right. Cause part of your, like your pecs are showing or whatever, like you, you have to stay on top of it. Maybe that's, that's just what it is in the movies. But um, I do think there's a, at least a portion of the population globally is moving back in that direction. And I think that's a good thing. And I'm happy to be part of that journey. But why do you think it's taken so long to have that shift? Because as we're, as we're recording, and this is something I didn't know until I was at my leg appointment at the hospital yesterday. Mm. It was actually Diabetes Awareness Day yesterday, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Uh, that's, a, that's an ironic point to this whole thing, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I wonder if that's, is that global? I'm looking for an out of why I didn't know, because I'm not in the UK. I'd have to probably Google it, <laughs> but I, I wasn't aware. Yeah. But then you've always yeah. got these days that come out of... Yeah out of the blue on a social media perspective. Yeah, it yeah. might just be in the UK. It might be not, not uh-huh. a global one, but I'm thinking, ah. so I, I, I posted about it because it's, well, where I was at is my community that I work with. So it's like, well, make you aware as mm-hmm. to, um, the factors that obviously dictate towards diabetes, like ethnicity, age, yep. Yep. BMI, um, I can't remember what the other one is. Um, another one it'll come back to me but i think family history maybe family history uh and then whether or not you've had it in the past but i was quite surprised i think one of the fact that you were saying 
50 percent of it was preventable. I thought all of it with type two diabetes were preventable. So that, so that's a bias that I have that yeah. people wouldn't have known of. I I I don't know if the fifty percent is the right number. I know that's the convention, but I, there's there's people who have evidence that type one diabetes is preventable. Just because you have the biology for it doesn't mean it has to be presenting itself in the same way or that you have to manage it with medication maybe in some cases but um yeah i i type 2 diabetes by definition is it's lifestyle based and it doesn't mean that you can fully escape it no matter what you know i know people who live unbelievably healthy and they still die in their 50s of cancer or heart attack or like things can still happen but your preponderance goes down dramatically. The likelihood of it expressing itself or becoming the norm goes down. So why wouldn't you want that? Uh, it's a whole other conversation, but it is, um, no, it's interesting, our awareness of these things. So why, why do I think it's taken so long? I think um, even like that self-work, I think a lot of people still need a kick in the pants. I did. Um, my aim is to help people not have to get kicked down to be able to wake up it's in some respects, it can be easier if you have one of those moments because, you know, you have no choice anymore. You still have a choice. You just may not perceive it anymore. It's like, well, now I have to do something. Well, you still don't. You're just going to lead down a different path that you just don't want to go down anymore. And you see that where you couldn't before. But no one that I coach had one of these moments. None of them has had a gun put in their face or, you know, near death or any of that. Those people generally aren't getting coaching. They are the ones doing the coaching or speaking or writing books or whatnot. Some, you know, some obviously get help. Um, but my aim is to help those people who, who aren't in those positions to, to who are just feeling that discomfort. They at least are like, this just isn't, it's not what I want. And I don't know what I want and I don't know how to do anything about it. And anytime I've talked about it before, I've failed. So I need someone to help me figure out how I can do this. I think that's, that's the best time to do it because it's much better to do it when you don't have a, a dramatic fall down mm. you know i, te- I testified to that yeah exactly because i've been i've seen rock bottom and okay to some degree somebody might have a worse rock bottom than me or sure. somewhat better yeah but if ideally if i've never had to endure it in the first place i'd have taken that option i think everybody yeah. would be the same yeah i'm always i'm fascinated by this question james that whenever i have people on you know would you would you go back and not have this happen? And I have yet to interview anyone who says yes. Like, oh yeah, I wish. What they wish is that, you know, if there were other people who were hurt, if there was, you know, someone who lived through like a, some traumatic, uh, dramatic, like terrorist attack or something. And, you know, many people died. Of course, they're not wishing for that to still be the case. But what they don't give up is their own experience and how they've grown. And my wife and I say this too, is like, of course we wish like our son didn't have to witness the near death of his mother that, you know, it's impacted his childhood because we have a lot of things we need to be careful about things we don't do um, that it wouldn't it be nice if he had a more quote unquote normal childhood. Now, if you ask him, he's happy and he doesn't have a problem with any of it, but um, you know, there, there are things we wish were different from that perspective, but we don't wish away the process. We don't wish away the learning you know, I wish she wasn't in pain like that. I wish she wasn't scared, all those things. But if that's what it took, what we have today is so important. If there's no other way for us to have it, we wouldn't give it up. And I, 
I feel really strongly about that. So I understand sometimes it does take that, but it doesn't mean you necessarily will learn as a result of it. That becomes the choice. And so I'm thankful that we woke up to that kick. Not everyone does. But if you are in that kind of place where you're at rock bottom or it feels like you are, then use that as a catalyst, not as, as uh, you know, the, the extra push to go all the way out. Like you don't have to be at the end right now. And it's, it doesn't matter if anyone else has it worse or better, but you know, people get into these comparisons. You're not in their shoes. So it's not relevant. Uh, and you don't have to feel bad for feeling bad about your situation. Just recognize there's another path. So let's talk about what that is. You know, who cares what anyone else experienced or didn't experience. Um, that's just not relevant because it's not your life. So this is, and we can do something with that. I think that's a great message to live there by because it's like, I think we are in a world that's ever trying to compete in yeah. every capacity of the word. It, you never have, never have a momentary lapse to yourself. Yeah. Because you're yeah. always looking for something to compare against. Mm-hmm. in one capacity or the other it's like, that's probably where i that's probably my downfall but i've been able to move gradually away from it. it's like well from a competitive standpoint that button never goes off yeah. however in certain uh arenas it needs to be dampened because it's not it's not productive it's not it's not serving me and it's actually yeah. being destructive it's like yeah dampen that down Mm. Uh, you don't need to compare with somebody else. It might it might even be a different coaching what they're offering altogether. Yeah, that's not a comparison. You're not in, you're not in my space. That's yeah. okay. You're doing well. Good on you. I'll, I'll give you the support that you need uh, yeah. because it's the being the bigger person because that's what we don't do. But I'm not going to compare and contrast what we're doing because that's going to make me feel bad. Uh, and obviously you go down a, a, a different path altogether. And obviously yeah. the isolation one's like, well, my work's not very good. I'm going to detract, hide myself away from the, the, the big bad world and hide behind the computer. But I work, but I think where I've kind of shined towards it is probably the competitive element. How can I make myself better? What mm. are, what are standards I expect of myself, of other people? Mm. And then this is the norm. This is this is the minimum expectation of be it the community that you want to work with, and the and, and the I'll call it the entourage. But be it yeah. the more people you have within that inner circle, this is the minimum standard. If you can't live up to that expectation, it's you that I have to change, not the group. And yeah. I think that's where we need to probably take something from that and mm. move forward because obviously, um, I. I think I mentioned to you on your show in terms of, well, if it's not good enough for me mm. to consume, is it good? Is it is it good enough for somebody else to learn from? And yeah. I think, and I think that's a lesson for everybody to take home, for be it your coach, clients, athletes. If you wouldn't quote unquote buy it, it's not good enough. Yeah, yeah, well said. I get I get nothing to add to that. I think that's brilliant. So, in terms of asking you like the penultimate question, then Brian, to you before we wrap up the show, from a coaching perspective, uh, be it and this is a question that I've asked not so much to to people that have come on, 
but I'll pose it to you anyway. Be it, if there'd be anybody dead or alive that you would want to sit down with, yeah, who would that be? Uh, it's the guy whose podcast I mentioned before, and uh, his name's Rich Roll. So people ask me why I'm a vegan, and I always say it's because of a man crush, but it's it's because of Rich. Um, I've taken so much from his journey, his story, his writing, and his show. Um, so yeah, there's that that would be pretty amazing for me. Um, I I find so much inspiration and guidance in what he's been through and how he shares that. Um, so that I think that's a pretty easy one for me to answer. Whether it's a great answer or not, it's my answer. So I'm not I'm not bothered by it. But I know um, I even just to say thank you means a lot so just that chance to do that for him um not for him really for me just to know that i'm I'm paying that gratitude that would mean uh that would mean a lot so i'd be really thankful for that and my final question to you before we wrap up the show is if we had to summarize what we've been speaking about today into one sentence for people to take away what would that be we all have this opportunity to move ahead And the way you can do that is by looking within, valuing yourself. So once again, Brian, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Yeah, thanks just for having me on. It's been my absolute pleasure. If you like this episode, please do share it with your friend and do let Brian and I know what you thought of the episode by tagging us over on Instagram at Brian Falchuk. That's B-R-Y-A-N-F-A-L-C-H-U-K and and at James O. Roberts 11. And again, you can do the same on Twitter and Facebook. And if you had any additional questions, don't hesitate to shoot them over as well. And finally, don't forget to check out his website, www.brianfalchuk.com. And also don't forget to check out his book, Do A Day, as well as his weekly podcast by the same name. And as always, do check out my free content at fitamputee.co.uk and click on the tab resources. But not forgetting, I've also started a new Facebook group, especially for the podcast, which you can find by typing The Mindset Athlete. So make sure to check those links out. They will be in the description. You can find all the show notes at mindsetgame.lipson.com under the category general. So once again, thanks for listening and I'll catch you next week for another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast.